are you know i've got to start with a question what does the word wow mean how many times do we surprise listeners in 2022 welcome to the radio rally right here on the clubhouse app what you are about to hear will be focused on lifting you up giving you good advice hearing the stories of an amazing radio pro and uncovering the path forward in radio right now today's live event will also be a podcast called the encouragers the radio rally podcast and will become available as soon as the end of this live event of course within reason and it'll be of course wherever you get your podcast that podcast is available now our thanks to joe kelly for producing our podcast events and JustJoeProductions.com for creating our audio footprint and distributing them we want you to meet our guest live on the clubhouse app or subscribe anytime to our podcast so you don't miss a thing. We actually have two podcasts, one called the Encouragers Innovation and Audio Podcast and the other called the Encouragers the Radio Rally podcast. Both are on Apple, Audible, Spotify, and almost anywhere you can get your podcast right now. What is happening on today's live event? I'm glad you asked. January 17th, 2022, John Sebastian, legendary programmer and creator of The Wow Factor in Phoenix, Arizona, will be joining us just in a few minutes. Before we get started with our guest for this live event right now on Clubhouse, don't forget next Monday, January 24th, 2022, Mike Savage will be here, the director and general manager of 88.9 WEKU. And of course, that's in Greater Lexington, Kentucky. You can see our entire guest list for both of our live events, the Monday and the Wednesday live event, all the way through March, I think now we're scheduling people. And of course, that's available in our free blog section at RainmakerPathway.com. We have encouragement for on-air and promotions there as well with our more than live and local guest series, and even more encouragement for local radio sellers with our encouraging sales success series as well as free resources for anyone in radio today. We do not lock away anything on our website the way some other consultants do. You can go to RainmakerPathway.com anytime, 24-7, and see what you can get for free from our team. Please do follow the people on the stage at this event. Look around the room for people that you might want to connect with while you're here as well. We are big encouragers, no kidding, in encouraging people to network in their broadcast career. My name is Lloyd Ford. I'm with Rainmaker Pathway Consulting Works. We help local radio broadcasters make more money by being an affordable programming partner who can fully develop the right position for your local brand or brands, coach your morning show, and other talents, design and execute station architecture, provide weekly music updates, and even produce your daily music logs, provide excellent voice trackers, sales and promotions ideas that move the needle, and the lot more. We're confidential and market exclusive for radio. Reach out anytime, F-O-R-D at RainmakerPathway.com. If you haven't liked our encouragers, that's our group on the Clubhouse app, please do so tonight. We do have at least two great, excellent guests every single week and two live events to help you grow your radio and audio career. 
Every week we do visit with radio pros from different parts of the country. We do it for a single reason. We're here to encourage you and encourage anyone making their living from the radio business today or in audio. This is where you can come and hear from people you might not ordinarily get to hear in an intimate setting. Talk about radio right now. You can meet them on our Clubhouse events, which is kind of a bonus. Uh, let's talk directly about today's guest for a minute. He is a consultant in our business today and has developed a new format we're going to talk with him about on this live event, along with his past, his programming philosophy, and uh, let's call them current events related to the radio industry. Today's guest is John Sebastian. John, please welcome to the Encouragers in the Radio Rally. How are you, sir? I'm great. Thank you for this opportunity. Well, thank you for hanging out with us. I think it is fair to say that, you know, look, you're somebody who has reinvented yourself several times by being true to yourself and your philosophies. Uh, you know, that's a requirement, I think, in our business, of course. But I want to go back to the beginning. How did John Sebastian get into the radio business? What happened to you and when and what was your first job? Well, it was 1968, believe it or not. Um, I My intention was to um, become a professional basketball player <laughs> and, oh, really? and, and lawyer. Um, but uh, I broke my back in my senior year. And uh, that kind of curtailed my basketball career, although I recovered quite quickly. But not to the point where I was before. And if, uh, you know, probably some people in our audience tonight um, weren't even born then, but back in 1968, it was a very tumultuous time. Martin Luther King, it's his birthday today, yeah. uh, and Robert Kennedy were both assassinated that year. Um, it meant a lot to me. It, it um, made me kind of throw up my hands and uh, much to the chagrin of my dad, I I decided between the, the back situation and the political situation that I would just become a DJ. <laughs> really? Um, so it was just like that then, right? Well, I had thought about it because I grew up listening to the real Don Steele on Kissin' Radio, K-I-S-N in Portland. Um and I listened to a lot of radio all over the country in my little transistor underneath my pillow at night. Oh, the radio so, um, story. It, it, the, the germ of it was in my head, but it wasn't my intention to actually become a disc jockey and, until I literally thought, what the hell, I'll try that. Now, where was that first job, John? The first job was at um, uh, KPAM in Portland. Um, kind of an also-ran station at that time. Um, and I became the overnight weekend DJ. So I probably had three listeners on a good night. Nice. <laughs> well, well, listen, let's talk about your parents for a minute, because you did touch on that with your dad. What did your parents do, John? Because we all, if we've been in the radio business, we all had an experience when we told our parents, hey, this is what I want to do. And then they said <laughs> things. Yeah, my dad, dad my dad was not very happy about the idea of becoming a disc jockey. He probably didn't even know what that meant. 
Um, my dad uh, was, I guess you would say, mostly a salesman. He uh, had a lot of different sales jobs growing up. Uh, very hard worker, was gone a lot, traveling salesman, etc. Uh, sold cars, sold life insurance, sold uh, candy, sold cigarettes, sold cigars. Um, uh, my mother uh, literally abandoned the family when I was five, so I didn't really know my mother until I looked her up when I was 21. That must have been an experience for sure. Now, you know, your dad, did he come back and get more supportive as you entered the broadcast world? Or or did he, did he really come to understand it? Because, you know, I mean, look, we're talking about somebody who's working profile was the 50s and 60s right i mean you're you're describing a that's a hard life going and selling these different products yeah my dad my dad's father was killed by bonnie and clyde when he was only oh, 12 and so he grew up with his siblings and went to work at 12 so that they could all support themselves in joplin missouri um, so he had a hard life and mm. he then ended up raising my two sisters and I by himself after my th mother left. Right. And, uh, he, he was a, he was a great person. Um, really someone that I really looked up to because of what he overcame in, in his life and, and then in raising we three kids. Well, and what was, what was this gentleman's name? Uh, it's, it's, it's my name. I have the same oh. name. I was born, I was born on his birthday. So oh, that's very interesting, John. And this guy changed the, the trajectory of your life. Certainly probably how you think, right? Oh, in all sorts of ways. Yeah. My, my dad was an influence and encourager, um, in many, many ways. And, and yes, he later became very proud of what I accomplished and I remember one time he actually called into Jim Ladd and oh, really? yeah, just out of the blue and Jim Ladd had him on the radio and he told him, you know, in, 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 in great bragging terms about his son and, uh, and Jim and he had a very nice conversation. I remember that happening. Yeah. So it, it didn't take long for him to realize that I had stumbled onto a good idea. Right, right. Listen, I see this surprised me about you. I see that you attended the Columbia School of Broadcasting, which is interesting. Now, tell us about that experience and how that impacted you, because you really kind of called the ball and said, I'm going over here and this is what I'm going to do. Right. Well, once I you know, because I'm an athlete, I still consider myself an athlete and I think like an athlete. And that's that's given me the the competitive fire and drive that I that I have to this day. So when I tackle anything, I I go into it a hundred percent. And um, Columbia School of Broadcasting was really just a uh, an opportunity for me to create my first air check. I, I learned a few things, but um, you, you know I wouldn't say it was a, a a major part of the beginning of my career, other than getting in by that first rudimentary, terrible air check that I took around to these little stations to get my first gig. Right, right. Well, now, John, 
I know you. I'm kind of a latter day know you guy. I met you through when I was doing all that work with America List, and I know you as a programmer. But look, we're going way back in time here. Did you have dreams of being a big radio personality? Did you walk that walk, or was your goal to go, hey, you know, I, I need to set goals and 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 off in the direction of programming you went? Well, I grew up, again, because I listened to the real Don Steele and some other really good DJs that went on to big careers in major markets from Portland. Um, I started off emulating the real Don Steele. Um, I don't think I thought about whether or not I was going to be a great personality. Um, You were just doing it. I was just doing it, and um, really early on, I realized that the person making the decisions that I thought were worthwhile was the program director. Mm. Uh, So I decided that I should make that one of my goals is to become a program director. So within four years, I was, I was, uh, I had my first programming gig at KPFM. Well, now did a person make that apparent to you? Like for me, John, Rusty Walker came into my life, not directly, by the way. I read a bunch of material that one of his people connected with our radio station and started giving guidance. And and this will sound bad, but my boss at the time was a complete idiot. (laughs) And and I I started reading all this material and I read the music logs and I went, oh, my God, that's what I'm supposed to do. If this guy can do it, I can do it. Yeah. Is it like that for you, or did a certain person ignite this flame for you? Hmm. Um, I think the first person that ever hired me uh, instilled that in me. Um, and then several of the program directors that I worked for, maybe similarly to what you're describing, I realized – I can do that. Idiots. <laughs> I can. No, I didn't. I wouldn't have said that they were idiots, but because right. I, I learned, I learned from everybody I ever worked for, right. and worked with. But uh, I definitely realized that it wasn't that hard, maybe in my mind. So, um, it, it wasn't that hard to be a PD, but it was hard to be a good one. So I decided I would be a good one. Well, and that fits with your athletic mentality like not just to show up but to compete at a yeah. high level right yeah, i i wanted right, to so win i wanted to be i wanted to be successful i wanted to win once i realized uh, what ratings were i wanted to figure out how to win the ratings that's right now look l- let's talk about winning you've successfully programmed no, i'm just gonna i've got the list here and i probably don't have everything uh top 40 rock New Age Jazz, John, classic rock and country. Are are you interested in all these different formats or is it similar? uh, You know, is it similar in these formats? Really, largely it's math, like like how I see it. Okay, a lot of programming is math. I. um, I think programming can be math. Um. I enjoyed working against people that thought it, thought of it as math, but really? but really I I, um, I I always felt I feel today that 
that it's all about the music. It's all about the passion of the music. Mm-hmm. And I, I love, I love music. And when I was 15 or 16 years of age, before I ever got into radio, um, I had a knack for knowing what was going to be a hit or not. And, um, every format I went into, I didn't necessarily know well before I tackled it, but then I ensconced myself or, or surrounded myself with that music and, and, and dove into it. So, so that I became aware of it and found the best parts of it in my mind. And well, no, wait, you, you didn't care if you didn't know the music before you took the job, you're like, no, I'm, I'm going to go all in. Well, the best story that I have as an example of that is when I took the job at KZLA in Los Angeles in 1996. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was driving there literally with my ex-wife. And I said, I looked over, I remember it vividly. I looked over to her and said, what am I doing? I don't even like country music. What am I, what am I doing? So I, I got there and I, and I, did just what I was describing before and realized that I, there's some great music there. I loved it. It's a, it's a very passionate format. Of really course. Saw, sorry. Um, it's, it's a very passionate format. Yes. So I, I discovered that I really liked a lot of the music and I, I just like smooth jazz, new age. I, I, um, I really was getting into that before I ever became a programmer in that format, but it was part of it, it. was part of my being, part of my passion, part of my soul. So that's always the position I took in every format, in every station that I programmed, was um, was loving the music and understanding the music and delving into it deeply. Well, in that way, you're driving the joy, right? Yeah, and I, th- I think that I think that set me apart because I think you hit on something. You can be. And, and I was always, for, for most of my career, I was labeled as a research guy mm-hmm. uh, because, because I was very early with dealing with research. In fact, my other ex-wife was the first person <laughs> that ever did, ever did a research call uh, in America in 1971 at Crux here in Phoenix. And uh, I've been involved with research ever since. But... Um, being labeled as the research guy sort of made me laugh a lot because yes, I used research, but I used it differently than most people. I didn't use it to be really safe. I used it to uh, justify my hypothesis. Um, well, it's really interesting that we had a guy that you probably know, Guy Zapolian, on, and some of your answers already are kind of similar in in the way that you look at and approach at least a few things along the way. Yeah, um, Guy's a good friend of mine, He's so it's not surprising. Yes. Now, look, we talk a lot about mentors in our business and mentors in life because we are, after all, the encouragers. Did you have mentors that had powerful impact in your life? And, and can you name maybe one or two of them and share a story about how they may have changed your life in a positive way, John? I think I had several mentors. Some of them I knew and some of them I didn't. But, you know, you can have a mentor from from afar. And but my number one mentor would have to be Gary Stevens, who um, 
I worked for at Chris in Phoenix in 1973, and then he moved to Minneapolis to do KDWB, and I ended up being um, his program director there for three and a half, almost four years. And we were very successful. We turned around a station that was doing very poorly, and I got the first taste of dramatic success there. Oh, yes. And, and the reason he's my greatest mentor is because he almost never said no to me. So I would go in with sometimes crazy, stupid ideas, but every time he would say, go ahead, give it a shot. And of course, we were both smart enough that if it didn't work, we didn't continue it. But it gave me such freedom in my mind and my creativity that I, I really felt that I could do anything. And I, I, that's when I first, well, maybe not the first, but it, it's when I really cemented my position as a contrarian to do <laughs> programming differently than everyone else. I can remember vividly um, some of the people I programmed against there and other places later becoming friends and saying, you know, we would listen to your station and we'd go, there's no way that would work. That's ridiculous. And we'd win. And then the first thing they'd say was, um, well, that was a fluke. And no, then it wasn't a fluke. And by the time they realized it wasn't a fluke, um, it was too it late. Was over. We had hammered them. That's right. And but, but yes, he, he, he gave me that, that spirit that I could do anything and that, that I was, the, the, well, this goes back to the very first programming gig, 1972, when I remember asking people much older than me and been around a lot longer than me, and I, I would say, why is this done this way? And almost in, inevitably, people would say, because we've always done it that way. Oh, a nice and, slogan, right? And, and, I, and so in my mind, maybe I've always had a contrarian mind. I said, well, then that means we don't have to do it that way. So I, I, I almost always did things differently than the people across the street from me. Um, I almost never went by the, the billboard or radio and records charts. And as mm -hmm. I discovered from research, sorry to say <laughs> this, but those, those charts weren't particularly accurate. That's and right. um, many times the number one testing song or, or the number one song on the charts was a really poorly testing song because maybe it would have had a novelty aspect. And the number 15 or 20 song was actually the number one testing song. And that knowledge really set me apart and, and enabled me to to give the people what they really wanted, listeners what they really wanted, more so than people that just followed the, the charts or the easy way. That's correct. Uh, we have these conversations all the time, uh, consultants for sure, that have the discussion about the chart, you know. Uh, look, you know all of us that don't live in Phoenix or Scottsdale, we basically think you all are crazy for living in the desert, right? I know you know this. What is it about <laughs> Phoenix that tends to draw you back to live? Because this is a choice for you. Yeah, well, let me let me open some people's eyes. There's almost 5 million people now living in the valley. Well, uh, area. It's the fast. It's often the fastest growing city in America. Mm -hmm. um, it's, you know, I, I grew up in Portland, Oregon, which is a beautiful place, but it rains a lot. 
So when I first got here, saw the palm trees and it, it sunshines every day, that hooked me. And then because, and you're right, I have lived here off and on Multiple for so times. long. Yes. Many, many times I've left and come back. Um, you know, I, because of that, I've developed more friends here than anywhere else. So between friends mm. and sunshine and the, and the openness of the desert, I mean, you can be out in the middle of the desert in 10 or 15 minutes. It's becoming, it used to be five minutes. Now it's uh, a little longer. Uh, to, to, to be out in the open spaces, driving is a, a fantastic thing. And we have the Grand Canyon here and we have Sedona here. And we have some of the most beautiful spots on earth in the state of Arizona. So, um, if so you I'm have loosely, I'm going to loosely translate that to if you're out in Phoenix, Arizona, join John and his 5 million friends. <laughs> right? You guys know yeah. something about the desert that we haven't caught up with, right? Yeah. I, I, most people that think it's crazy that, um, that so many people live in the desert, uh, haven't been here. Uh, I've never been here. It's just like, you know, it's just like uh, a lot of great places in this country. You know, if you've never been there, you don't really know. All you know is the reputation. You don't know the reality. Well, and look, somebody like me, I tend to have been out there on the trips that I've been out there in the in the dead of summer. Yeah. And, you know, when I see that you have these things called misters, I'm like, uh, <laughs> why is that happening? That That's not right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> If that's going on, there's a there's a geometry there's a, I'm sorry there's a geography problem, right? Uh, yeah. But I mean, look, uh, during this time of year, it's incredible, right? Yes. Um, th there's a I didn't make this up, but someone in a newspaper article once related um, the weather here to uh, four months of hell and eight months of heaven, and Ooh. that's pretty accurate. It's the majority of the time it's it's near perfection. And in the summertime, you just are smart enough to not go out in the middle of the day and play tennis. You kind of know what it's about, right? It's, but it's it's sort of the opposite of everywhere else. Everywhere well, where you have you, winter. Contrarian, right? <laughs> yeah. every Everywhere else, you know, you have winter. And so you don't go out of your houses because it's so damn cold and so much snow. We don't go out of our houses during the summer. It's the flip of that. I see. All right. So listen, if people haven't caught up, we we talked about you and reinventing yourself according to your own philosophies across time. You call this being a contrarian. I want people to get a real sense of that. So in your time in radio, in fact, you worked at or programmed numerous stations over the course of your career, including KDWB in Minneapolis, WCOZ in Boston, KSLX in Phoenix, KUPD in Phoenix, KISW in Seattle, WSM FM in Nashville, KPLX in Dallas, and in Los Angeles, KHJ, which I know there are some stories associated with that. Also, KTWV, uh, uh, KZLA now, uh, K-I, no, it's K-L-L-I, 93.9 FM, and K-L-A-C on the AM dial. What did you learn from having all these different experiences across time that would be helpful to, let's just say, a younger person who's just learning the ropes in our business right now? Uh, to be open to um, new thought, 
new areas, new uh, new populations, the diversity of our country. Um, those all play into you know being a good programmer or being a good personality in my in my mind. Um, I that's the that's the most succinct way I could answer that. I think. All right. So look, you've had all these different experiences in programming and radio in general. Like the rest of us, you've lived through the era of consolidation. I'm going to say it kindly that way. You 1996. I I I remember it well. It was the it was the most horrible thing that's happened to our business. It's, it's really certainly been interesting and not in all good ways, of course. And and look, you've watched formats fit into nice little boxes like suburban neighborhoods. And first, uh, I want to ask, do you think radio is challenged when it comes to innovation? And then tell me this. If you do believe that radio is challenged with innovation, why do you think this is so true today? Oh, boy. Um, that's probably the question. You thought you were going to get all the easy questions, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, consolidation has changed radio, and for the most part, not for the, not for the good. It allowed the mega companies to buy hundreds, maybe a thousand stations at whatever price they, they, it didn't matter the cost actually. Public money, right? Yeah. Um, and they overpaid for them to such a degree that they woke up one morning and realized they couldn't pay their debt service, right. like buying a home that they couldn't really afford. And then, then they started cutting not only payroll, not only people, but they they cut off innovation. They cut off programming people like me that broke the rules. They wanted people that basically filled out the person the personnel departments, um, you know, basically filled out the, the the roster of who was on the air when, and and they consolidated programming. Um, which whittled down the uh, the innovation, the, 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 you know, completely. And I, I think that's mm -hmm. what we have today is there's a few outliers that uh, still program in an innovative way, and the vast majority of them don't. And that's why it, it is true that um, many, many listeners that used to listen to radio hate radio now and don't listen to radio. We have... We have, um, oh, what's the term I use? We have uh, hastened our demise, our own demise, by doing all these things, by playing too many commercials and by not being innovative and and chasing people to the alternatives like, you know, Sirius XM and Spotify, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And, of course, you know, look, uh, we do know that radio is the big easy in terms of you turn it on, it's ubiquitous. But even that can be challenged if you don't make good decisions and follow the pattern of, of having great brands that you support, right? Yes, I agree. All right. So now tell us about the wow factor, because we've arrived at the moment. I want to know where did it come from and what is the reason that you believe in 
the wow factor. Take us to school. Well, I've been around a long time. I started in 1968. I've yep. programmed all the different formats that you outlined, and I've been uh, surrounded by really good people and hired good people and had very supportive bosses for the most part so that I have experienced dramatic success in nearly every, if not every instance. And um, most of the people from my generation have, are either not living or um, are not programming anymore. Right. So when I looked at the state of, state of affairs a few years ago, um, for baby boomers in particular, which is the age group that I'm in, mm-hmm. um, and I said to myself, well, okay, so here's the statistics. The boomers have the most wealth by a mile. They spend the most money by a mile, and yet there is virtually no format that is geared directly and exclusively to them anymore. Well, and just to be fair, that's not just in Phoenix or in Charlotte, North Carolina, or in Seattle. That's everywhere. That's everywhere. You cannot find something for that audience on radio. Right. You have... This is this is also one of the groups, or it is the group that that still loves radio, that still wants to listen to radio. That's right. As we as we all know, the the very young people. These are generalizations, and obviously it's not true in all cases. But the the younger the person is, the less likely they are to listen or to to enjoy or to love radio, like many of us used to do. But but the baby boomers still have the potential to love radio and, and they still listen to radio, uh, according to the statistics I've seen, um, at a much higher loyalty rate than the other formats. So putting all those things together, including the experience I've had, I, I literally said to myself, this may sound egotistical, who better in the country that is living, that is around, that is still programming who better to create a new format for these people? You know, we used to think that oldies was the format that maybe appealed to this group the best. Um, but even the oldie stations have gone away. And I, what I've created is not an oldie station. It's, it's a unique mix of music <clears throat> that utilizes all the music that the baby boomers have loved their entire life, not just top 40, which would be oldies now, not just rock, which would be classic rock now, not just smooth jazz, new age, which was at, at, for, for a very short time, a, a format that was really geared towards baby boomers, not just country, right. which, which, you know, the Garth Brooks era began, as you know, a time when a lot of baby boomers said to themselves, Hey. Rock, rock, and top forty have kind of gone crazy. I'm not into that right. anymore. I'll go the country route. So, because I've done all these formats and always programmed, I didn't intentionally, but if you look back at my career, I've always been gearing myself towards baby boomers in every well, every well, slot of the way. So when yeah, you let put, me let me ask you, put, a, 
Okay, go ahead. A specific question about this. And I don't know if you'll do this. Uh, certainly, you probably can do it. I don't know if you can do it off the top of your head. But can you give us like a 15-minute a window of what it might sound like from an artist and song standpoint or some kind of reference to where we could go, oh, that's how it's different than oldies or that's how it's different than whatever? Sure. Um, let's uh, start with the Beatles. Let's say the Beatles... Uh, into Led Zeppelin, into Garth Brooks, into Sade. That's a pretty good 15-minute block. That ain't oldies. That isn't oldies. And and see, Baby Boomers didn't just like oldies. I, I know because I was there when Top 40, which would now be oldies, was the format for these people. And then it became, you know, a lot of them drifted off into rock, uh, AOR, they called it, album-oriented album rock. Then they, uh, many of them, uh, enjoyed smooth jazz, uh, new age. When I, I was one of the creators of The Wave in Los Angeles, and we were number 120. We, we went from 13th to 1st, 25 to 54 when I was there um, in Los Angeles, which is no easy task. No, that's right. Um, and... And then, and then, like I was describing before, they got fed up with what they used to love in Top 40 and rock and uh, were really into country for a while. Um, and, well, John, what, and many of them still are. So when you, when you take the one, – one of the things I did based on research was I, I saved all of my research for all of these different formats. And I have the top songs from every genre and I've mixed them into a very unique way to put them together. And if, and if you ever, you know, when I, I work for a very small company now, a, a local, small, uh, little tiny, tiny company, actually, that um, enabled me to do this, thankfully. Um, but, um, y you know, if before before we ran into financial issues, which which so many stations are falling into now. Absolutely. We, 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 were, we were streaming everywhere, and we had almost 2 million stream, streaming listeners per month. That which, tells you something, right? Which we, it tells you a lot, actually. Uh, kept growing and growing and growing. And, and as you, I'm sure you know, the more streaming you have, the more it costs you. Yes. <laughs> so we decided um, that we would stop streaming. But for the people that were able to hear us during that time when we were streaming nationally, um, again, this might sound egotistical, so many people said that this was their favorite station. It was the best station they had ever heard in their you life. I, I want to ask you about that because you are bound to do, if not focus groups, you've come in contact with a lot of people who have a reaction to this station. I'm not talking about industry people because that doesn't matter. Okay, I'm talking about on the consumer level. What do they say about hearing Garth Brooks back to back with Chardet? They they say wow. That's why it's called the wow factor. <laughs> wow. And yeah, no, I'm not kidding. I'm right not kidding. In, in, in my in my testing before we ever put it on the air, that's exactly. There there were two things they would say, and it's again going to sound almost unbelievable, but they say either it's the best station they've ever heard, or it's or I can't stop listening. I. I I don't know. I don't want to miss anything. You know what's going to be next. That's right. 
So, so what is your hope for this format, John? What, it, what would you like to see occur? Because, you know, we're all in love with the 18 to 49 and the 25 to 54 and never shall you depart. Right? You mean ad agencies are, you aren't. That's right. Yeah. That's right. But, uh, but you know what I'm saying. Yes. What, is your, what is your hope that will happen now that you've had this success and, and, and notwithstanding financial blah, blah, blah and all that, I'm talking about the real meat of getting people to come together around a radio station like this. Yeah. And by the way, we've, we've basically won every month of the last year, 55 plus, uh, in dramatic fashion. Uh, and to such an extent, the dominance, we're in the latest, uh, in the December book, we were number the, the third rated um, music station, six plus. <laughs> um, mm. So that shows you what the dominance is, 55 plus, uh, which unfortunately, you know, none of the trades list anything but six plus, which is ridiculous. But um, that's that's what they do. So um, what do I anticipate? I anticipate that. In fact, I know that this or some version of this will uh, be across America. And I, if my health holds up, I hope to be able to uh, consult many stations across the country. I mean, I, I have so many friends in L.A. because I've done three different stations, three different decades in, in L.A. as well. Um, I know L.A. very well. I have so many friends that say, man... If you if you had this on the air in L.A., it would destroy K-Earth. It would destroy all the stations that, you know, one of the one of the points I was going to make before we got off into something else. Mm -hmm, is, mm -hmm. You know, the baby boomers have to listen to something. Every every age group has to listen to, listen to something. It doesn't mean that they love it, but That's right. you know, they listen to classic rock or they listen to country or they listen to whatever uh, classic hits. Uh, but it doesn't mean it's their favorite. It's just the closest thing to what is available. What I've created, I believe, is what they really want. What baby boomer, what the perfect baby boomer concept is, and it will work in every market in the country. Well, and look, what's fascinating about it, John, for, for better, for worse, for whatever, however you want to say it, is that no one is operating in this area. So what do you think is going to happen there? It is going to get attention from the people who most want it. And that's going to be your 55 plus for sure. That's all right? we're trying to do. Yeah. So, so listen, you see, uh, you see both challenges and I'm, I'm sure you see opportunities for radio as well. Nobody knows the future. That's my way of, of getting you off the hook before I ask the question, but let's look through your crystal ball. What is it that you see for the future of the radio business? It needs to not be afraid to be um, outlandish, to uh, to take advantage of the fact that we're free, that we're still a free medium, people can listen to freely, you know, for no money, and um, and stop being so safe, so conservative, um, give give people what they really are screaming for, and. I think that that's been that innovation has been held back by the consolidation that we were referring to before, and um, if we, if we're going to if we're going to save, uh, in particular, music radio, that's that's all I've ever done, 
in music radio, we, we've got to be innovative and not be afraid to uh, learn from Spotify, learn from Sirius XM, learn from our uh, No, 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 no. And, I, will go, I will go further than that, John. Yeah, Instead yeah. of learning from them, why can't we learn from the consumers who are going to these products and how they're using them? Yeah. Because well, that's right. the thing that points the direction, right? Right. And that's ultimately what I mean. I agree with you. We, right. The example of that is the fact that people are going, we're forcing them to, to, to go to those other mediums uh, because, right. you know, I mean, who's going to listen to 10 straight minutes of commercials? Nobody in their right mind. Nobody is. It's just a, just a bunch of BS that, that the ratings company is, is giving us. No one is actually Zach, I can tell you who's going to do that. Somebody who can't change the station. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, right. So so listen, uh, two days from now on our Innovation and in Audio, we're going to have Fred Jacobs on. And Fred and I have had this conversation. He's written about it where he talks about freeing one of the signals in local clusters to do something different. The yeah. wow factor. Yeah. I mean, really, uh, you well, know, here you have all these radio stations. You're going to have one that's not successful. What are you doing? You're going to you're going to put the same old crap in that cylinder and let it go why not do something different the wow factor would fit into that but you're not suggesting just the wow factor you're saying radio should experiment correct yes and i i think the most obvious one today is what i've created or something similar to it because um it, it is appealing to people and this is what people do this is what this is what drives the the mega companies as well as the smaller companies it's money Let's face it. That's what drives wow, the world. Right. And and there's more money to this than any other format. And it's not even close. And it's not even debatable. It's it's stupid that 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 this is that this is not already something major. But if you you, you asked me earlier, and as you can tell, I'm getting animated. <laughs> as, yeah, right? as, as you as you were alluding to earlier, you know what's what's the future? Well. The future has to be eventually that things are going to get so dire that people are going to actually wake up and go, well, wait a minute, maybe we should be influencing people that actually have money to spend. Mm. What a concept that would be, huh? Well, um, I was going to I was going to ask you Look, dripping with you, dripping with uh, sarcasm here. Yeah. No, that's right. I mean, you've got to shake your head. And you're you're looking, uh, you and I right now on Clubhouse, something that didn't exist two years ago, right? I never even heard of it before you contacted right. me. Right. So here we are having this conversation. People are listening. People are going to be on our podcast later listening to this. You've got to be shaking your head about all the revenue suck, is what I'm going to call it, where yeah. these clusters are going after the same pie. Let's go, no, let's go after the same pie. Let's go after the same pie. 25 I mean, to 54, the same pie that's been right. there for 30 years, only what they're not. What kind of revenue yeah. is being lost by not chasing what's not even being done? Yeah, it's it's a huge mountain of of, um, of potential and, and neglect. Um, yes. So... Yeah. So in what I'm what I'm what I'm in my crystal ball predicting is that this has to happen. It's inevitable that that people wake up to this, including the advertising agencies. Most importantly, maybe the advertising agencies. Right. By the way, the advertising agencies already know this is true. 
the proof of it is watch network television at night. Every single spot practically is geared towards baby boomers. They already know that that's true. They just, nobody has uh, awakened the beast and said, here's the wow factor or, or, or formats like that that appeal to baby boomers on radio. Yes, there is a radio format. There is radio being programmed for baby boomers, not just the younger demos. And the same money, or at least give us a little piece of the pie that you're spending billions on on network television and put it into radio. And they will do that if you give them a reason to, to spend that money on radio. Well, and, and look, John, I, I've, I don't think I've ever spoken publicly anywhere about this, but I'm going to say it to you now uh, while people are listening, and maybe you can laugh at it or maybe you can agree with it. Uh, I think a large reason why those demos don't move is that once you reach, I'm going to pull this out of the air. It's it's kind of like you said earlier about it's not in all cases, but I'm going to use the term 50 year old. Uh-huh. Once you're about 50 years old, you're tired of buying my crap. So advertisers look at that and they go, I want the low hanging fruit. I want the easy ones that that can be moved because the baby boomers are more, let's call them battle tested. They've seen the marketing funnels. They've seen all of that. Do you think that could drive this as well? Yeah, there's no question that the part I agree with the most is that they are taking the easy way out. <clears throat> what, right. what they, it, they would be the people that would say what the first people that, talk to me when I first got into radio would say, well, we've always done it this way. That's it's right. always, it's always been 25 to 54 or, or maybe 18 to 49. Um, and we've never done, we've never done old people. We've never appealed to old people. Um, right. what, but the people that, the, what, 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 what they're alluding to, and I know you're not agreeing with them, what they're alluding to is, is not true. <laughs> the the baby boomers, the people with all this wealth, are the ones buying. Uh, they've been waiting their whole life to buy their dream car, their Mercedes mm-hmm. or their BMW. They're the ones going predominant. These are all generalizations, but they're the ones going to the upscale restaurants. They're the ones taking uh, voyages around the around the world. They're what? the ones flying. You know, they're the ones spending big big money. Well, John, you you realize this doesn't even have to be true, right? Because the other factor in the wow factor, and and I should point out that I don't own part of your company and I'm not endorsing anything. None of that is occurring. I'm just suggesting that what you're doing is far and away different than everything else and appeals to a wide swath of people with a lot of money. So even if you wouldn't perceive them as the low hanging fruit, there's a lot of fruit. And that is the point, especially when your cluster is going after the same pie over and over and over and over. Right. Right. It's it's wide open. It's many times in my career. I have identified a hole and super satisfied it. And in retrospect, the, the perfect example is WCOZ in Boston, which we can get into if you want, um, where, where, where I identified a hole and it, we ended up creating the, 
biggest success in the history of AOR in American major market radio still stands by far. Um, but in retrospect, people said, well, that was obvious. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, that's, 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 that that's, true of, that's true of what I'm doing now. It, I guarantee you there will people will be people, maybe they're already saying it, that say, well, anybody could have done that. Well, that's true, but nobody did. I did. Um, right. That's the way innovation works. Who does yeah. just the yeah. innovator, usually a contrarian, right? Yeah. yeah. Right. So, um, but th this has to, this has to happen. It, it will happen. It may not be in my lifetime, <laughs> but it has no. to happen. It has let's to hope, happen. Let's hope that it is because as you look at revenue for radio, you look at age of uh, listening audience and different formats, you, you, can, you can draw a line right through this, right? So listen, I do want to thank you for hanging out with us and, and talking about this and, and willing to come forward and, and share some of these views as well. I hope you'll stick around for a few minutes. Does that sound okay in case some of our audience might have a question or two? Sure. This hour has gone fast. Well, uh, I yeah, know, I'm, right? I'm, I'm available. I have to be off by 615 because the Cardinals are playing the Rams tonight. Well, we all do have these priorities, John. <laughs> listen, uh, listen. we are going to open up the room here in just a minute, just in case you have questions for our guest tonight. Uh, you can push the button right at the bottom of your iPhone or Android device, right on the app itself. There's a little hand that raises next to what looks like a notepad. It, it should look like a really cool smartphone, but I, I don't control that. Uh, we will bring you up on the stage uh, when you do raise your hand. That does indicate to us that you want to speak. Uh, we do ask that you mute your microphone when you come up on the stage because of the wonky effect of some of the audio on the Clubhouse app. Check in anytime to see the latest update as we continue to add guests, not just for this Monday night event, but for our Wednesday night event also. We have full updated schedules that change all the time at rainmakerpathway.com and it's in our free blog section easy to find on the home page and uh by the way that's also where you're going to get free and fresh resources to encourage you or anyone making a living in the radio business we care about the people in the radio and audio fields look for our free blog section get the hook up and be sure that you share it with friends also don't forget to join us Wednesdays on the Clubhouse app for innovation and audio. On our Wednesday live events, we deal with real world innovation and undeniable innovators. We bring people to that live event that you may not otherwise meet to talk about how you create environments that encourage innovation, mostly from the outside of the radio industry. So these people most of the time don't have anything to do with radio. It's our way of giving you a different perspective about change and creativity itself and of course innovation. This Wednesday, yep, just two days from now, innovation and audio will feature something unusual and different for us. We're bringing a radio pro, a consultant in fact, and I got to tell you, it's going to be fun uh, because this guy is truly has one foot in the innovation field all the time. Uh, coming Wednesday, January 19th, Fred Jacobs, the owner of Jacobs Media, will be here. You can bet we'll talk about radio. We'll talk about the future. and We'll talk about innovation. Uh, John, I do have a question. Uh, one of the things we like to do is let people just send questions through the IM feature. A lot of times people don't want to speak up uh, sure. for various reasons. Um, this question is, what advice do you have for young programmers today 
on learning what you need to know from, and, and especially learning it from people like you, John. Hmm. For young programmers. Um, That's right. Hmm. What advice would I have? Um, or just, just to open up your mind. I know it's difficult because depending on who you work for, they may, may not encourage you. We use that word again. Um, right. they, they may not encourage you to be innovative, but if you, um, have a good idea of what of what your scheme is and you can lay it out to them maybe maybe they'll jump on it because Lloyd you, you mentioned something earlier I guarantee you that especially the major the, the mega companies have one or two stations in every market that isn't doing well yes that that um, should be and, and I, I think in, if you lay out your schemes um, in, in a way that they can understand them, they, they may just give you a shot at, at doing something different. And tell us one more time, John, about what it's like when you have that first radical, oh my God, what happened inside your body, John? Because <laughs> <laughs> I've had that experience too, and you can explain it. it's, it's exhilaration, isn't it? It really is exhilarating. Uh, you know, I've, I've had, like I said, very, very fortunate to have a lot of success I just knocked on something that might might look like wood, um, right? But I um, I've never experienced anything like what I'm experiencing with the Wow Factor. These people are so passionate, and it's almost like um, it's almost like I've saved their life. At least right. I've saved their radio life. Um, they they actually have something they can they can really sink their teeth into. We always have, ever since this has started, we always have by far the best time spent listening in the market uh, by a large margin. A margin. Well, the, these people have a little extra time too, don't they, John? Yeah, that's, that's a stereotype too. <laughs> right. I, I, I know some people that are retired that, that are busier than I am and I have a job. Um, so, you know, I, you know, you can fill up your time with a lot of positive things. Uh, right. These days. Well, well um, listen, John, I, I do have one final question uh, from our audience. What, yeah. What still drives your passion for programming after such a long career? You've done all these different things. And I know you're going to say the wow factor, but I'm going to take that out for a minute and go. Okay. What is it about programming that still turns you on? Well, uh, I relate it to being a, a, a basketball coach. Um, I, I want to win and I want to create something that's beautiful and I want to create something that's, that, that turns people on. And I, I want to create something that not to be too dramatic or too airy fairy that, you know, is a positive addition to the world. And I right. literally think that way. So, um, what, what drives me is I, I, I want to, I want to die doing this. I don't want to ever retire. I, I don't want to ever stop doing this. I, this is what I love to do. It's my passion. It's what drives me. It's what, it's what gets me up every morning, uh, excited to schedule another day. By the way, I curate uh, every, every song segue by hand. I don't let uh, music master <laughs> or, or anything just schedule the music. I, I do it by hand almost. I mean, yes, yes, I use music master. And I've used all the different systems, but I do right. it by hand so that every segue is an oh wow segue. Uh, and a lot of the segues I do, 
you know, a lot of radio people say, we well, can't do that. But it's what turns people on. They love this. That's right. The, it's, it's people in radio that are skewed. They, they think they, they think that regular listeners are like them. If there's one thing that has worked well for me is I've never thought like a radio person. I think like a listener. That's my best advice to anybody is think like a listener, not a radio person. Well, we should always be trying to think about the consumer, which I think is hard for people the longer yeah. you've been in the business. And John, I I must do this right now. I want you especially to listen to me very carefully. When we have programmers on the radio rally, I always try to make this point because I think that this point has often been lost in the chase for revenue, 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 revenue. <laughs> Great programmers, and I would say great consultants too, because I'm doing that now. Great programmers create revenue. That is what we do. Yes, and, I agree. And so I always want to make sure that I make that point so that people can spread that rumor because it's so true. Yeah. Okay. And thank you for your time. Listen, we do try to keep things to about an hour. One of the great things on our live event is you can just listen along. We try to bring really great content for you. I do want to thank you for joining us every Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific for the Radio Rally. Remember, if you know someone you would like to hear as a guest on the Radio Rally, just email me, F-O-R-D at RainmakerPathway.com. We hope that you have a great week. I definitely want to say a big thank Thank you to John Sebastian for being our guest tonight. I also want to thank Joe Kelly and JustJoeProductions.com for doing a great job on our audio footprint and sharing our podcast, which, by the way, if you want to hear this again, you certainly can do that by subscribing to our free podcast called The Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast on Apple, Audible, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcast. I do hope you have a great week. As we like to say on Rainmaker Pathway and the Radio Rally, once you have a radio station, take my word for it. You can get anything else that you want. Uh, please do share our podcast, the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast, and the Encouragers Innovation and Audio podcast with others that you know are interested in growing their careers in audio and people who are interested in innovation. Please remember this. If you don't remember anything else, be kinder than you have to be. Thank you for being a part of the Radio Rally and the Encouragers, and good night.